0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My name is Father Matt, one of the priests that serves here at the table. It's good to be with you, good to see you this morning. It's raining, and uh, that may come through on the mic, so just mentioning that for anybody listening later. Friends, today from Mark's Gospel, we hear these words, Jesus asked him, (laughs) what do you want me to do for you the blind man said teacher i want to see jesus said go your faith has healed you at once he was able to see and he began to follow jesus on the way today we proclaim the good news friends that god's mercy flows where it gets the least resistance healing, liberating, restoring human dignity and created goodness in its wake. Jesus stands among us today, too, offering to mercify us on the way to the cross. What invitation into healing and freedom from the resistance to God's mercy in your life does he want to extend to you today? We are in this passage of Mark. Jesus keeps telling everyone who will hear that things aren't going to go down in Jerusalem the way that people want. He's going to be delivered over to the Gentiles and crucified like an insurrectionist criminal. And we see in between these predictions that Mark is uh, holding some stories in front of us that sort of interpret each other. So Jesus welcomes some children. Pharisees don't like what Jesus is doing. There's a, a rich man. James and John come and ask for power. A rich man wants eternal life. The disciples are upset that Jesus welcomes these children. And we see a picture emerge in these stories of people who receive mercy from Jesus and people who resist it. And today we see someone, Bartimaeus, someone who receives mercy. So what I want to do is I want to compare and contrast a little bit about Bartimaeus in a couple of these characters in this same area. And then we're going to talk about the things in our life that hinder God's mercy are the same things in these people's lives that hinder God's mercy. So we have the rich man. You know this story, Right? The rich man comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know the law, and he he lists the law, this is the Ten Commandments. He says, yeah, I've done all that. He says, well, one thing you'll ask, actually, it says Jesus looks at him and loves him. I love this. And he says, you know, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And he goes away sad. And the disciples are like, what the what? If a rich man isn't blessed, who is? Right? At the end of Job's reading today, did you catch that? Job is blessed. How do we know? Well, even more sheep and kids, right? This is a common understanding in Judaism, the wealthy are blessed. So Jesus invites this rich man to sell all he has and he doesn't do it. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, has almost nothing. He's a blind beggar, right? And we're told that the crowd is a bit cantankerous at the impudence of Bartimaeus crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, Actually, the way that the uh, words work there, we say have mercy on me. I I said in our good news, he's saying, mercify me. I don't know if that's a word. But I like it. I'm going to keep using it. So Pay attention. Jesus invites the rich man to give up all he has. To leave his home, his position, his possessions, to make a hard break with mammon, cold turkey, and follow him. Bartimaeus, if we pay attention, is doing the same thing. So he's a beggar. He relies on almsgiving from the crowds. People in Jericho take care of him. And what are we told by Mark? He's making the crowd upset. Bartimaeus is putting himself at odds with his old economy. catch that? Then we're told he leaps up and leaves his cloak and runs to Jesus. Now, a cloak uh, had a dual purpose for a beggar it would cover you but it also was the thing you laid out on the ground where people would throw money they they wouldn't hand the money to the beggar because if the beggar was richly impure that was no good so when he leaves the cloak on the ground and makes the crowd upset he's making a hard break with his old economy do you see that? Jesus directly invites, so that's that's the first thing we got to see here, is that Bartimaeus is doing the things that the rich man could not. The second thing is, is that Jesus explicitly tells the rich man, leave all you have and follow me. This is different than what he tells Bartimaeus, isn't it? He says, go, your faith has made you well. You hear those two different? Come and go. (laughs) He says, come to the rich man, and he goes. He says, go to Bartimaeus, and what's he do? He comes. He comes. The first have become last, and the last have become first. Friends, God's mercy reigns where it gets the least resistance. To bring healing and liberation and and the restoration of human dignity and created goodness all throughout his wake. And he stands, Jesus, stands today among us to mercify us as well. Where do you experience resistance to that mercy? Where is he calling you to come and follow him today? Another story that is in mind as we read Bartimaeus is the story that immediately precedes it, which is when James and John come to Jesus. And they're like, we want want you to do us a solid. Right? And Jesus says, well, what do you want? If you've been around the table for 20 minutes, you know this is an important question for us. What do you want? It's the fundamental discipleship question. What are you seeking? What do you want? I think Jesus is so excited that, James, that somebody's actually going to tell him what they really want, that he doesn't even care what comes out of James and John's mouth. Somebody's going to be straight up with him for once. And they are. They're like, we want a piece of the action. They ask for power and honor and glory. Sit at your right hand and left. Later, Mark talks about the people who are at his right and left when he enters his glory. It's the criminals on the cross. So they not only don't know what they're asking for, but also if they did know what they were asking for, they wouldn't ask for it. It's almost like, to use a metaphor, that's complicated. They're blind. Now, I say it's complicated because uh, our, our friends who are, have impairment in their sight, they tell us that words like blind are used pejoratively, and people who cannot see experience harm and pain because they get lumped in or labeled in that way. It's known as ableist language. Have you heard that phrase? This is why we regularly say, in body or in spirit, please stand with us. We're trying to acknowledge that some of you may not be able to stand. But you get to participate too. So Jesus, so there's a, there's a metaphor at work here in Mark's gospel that is fraught with complications today. And we need to be, I think we need to be sensitive about that and just name it. Bartimaeus also asks for something he wants Jesus calls him and says, what do you want? Fundamental question. And he just audaciously asks, hey, I want to see. James and John want proximity to power. They're good dudes, right? They've spent three years with Jesus. You know, if if anybody can be trusted with the little power, it's James and John, the sons of thunder. But power works differently in the kingdom of God. This is why they're not understanding the cross. They're not understanding the way to Jerusalem, how it's going to end differently than they think. I'm I'm challenged here, friends, because um, the blind person, Bartimaeus, has absolutely no power. And whatever power he has, whatever capital he has, it's clear that he is... He is burning bridges with the crowd and leaving behind his whole economy. But I'm, I'm challenged because I was taught and been formed as a Christian to actually not burn the bridges with the crowd and to take the cloak with me when I start following Jesus. I've been taught that things like power and money are spiritually neutral. Anybody else been taught this? It's all about what you do with it. So, we, if we get a good person with a renewed heart, then they can have a lot of money because they'll do a lot of good with it. The problem isn't the money, the problem is the wickedness in you. Has anybody heard this before? Just me? I'll just preach to me. I need this. But in the scriptures, friends, um, Power and money, or should we say mammon, are talked about differently. They're not capitals we use. They're systems we live in. They have their own logic and common sense. We have words like an economy to describe a complex system of how things operate. Well, mammon was a complex system of how things worked. And the kingdom of God was in contrast to it. This is why Jesus calls the rich young ruler to leave his mammon, his home, his property, his wealth. Because it's a system that has, a, when I say common sense, it's just like, well, yeah, of course. Let's, we don't even question if this is true, it just is. And that's where all of the uh, worst things live, by the way. Down there. And Jesus has said over and over and over in the Scriptures that mammon will do you dirty. It's not a neutral power. It's actually demonic. Today we proclaim the good news that God's mercy reigns where it gets the least resistance. Someone who is under the boot of mammon gets mercified. You don't have to ask him twice to leave behind those crowds and that cloak. It is killing him. It is liberation for Bartimaeus. And it restores his dignity. And it restores his created goodness. He can see. And what does he do with that vision? He gets right on the way to Jerusalem. We're going to the cross, baby. Mark gives us an indication that Bartimaeus knows about this better than anybody else because he calls him son of David, which is a messianic regal sort of thing. The blind person sees. Everybody who can see is blind. Today, friends, Jesus stands among us today offering, asking to mercify us. Where is resistance to his mercy operating in your life? If we are to take the logic of this text, we could get a little more specific. Where, where is the common sense of mammon and power doing you dirty? There's some, this is fraught with complications. We, were, we had a table 101 today, and uh, Tyler asked about money. Um, and I just said, this, I'm supposed to be done preaching in three minutes. Um, we could talk about this for three weeks. Typically, when we get to things like money in uh, our system of mammon that's set up in our world, we either don't question it because it's, the, it's God's economy, or we begin to ask just one or two questions about our participation or complicity in something that maybe is doing bad things, and we just get overwhelmed. And like a friend of mine said this week, how do we even eat if we're going to talk about mammon? I don't know. You need to ask Father Ben about that. (laughs) Now, powerful, wealthy people in Scripture are the ones who misunderstand the dangers of power and wealth. The poor, the meek, the lowly, the disenfranchised, they're the ones who have the least amount of resistance when Jesus shows up to mercify them. This is deeply challenging for me. As I said, Mammon is an operating system that creates unquestioned assumptions. We were in New York City last week for a quick fall break getaway. First time we went there with our kids. Um, and uh, CC, if you ask CC how it was, uh, we had to wear masks the whole time. Uh, there's a, still a pandemic happening in New York, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, it was, and CC's CeCe's eyebrows were like this the whole time. It was like loud and dirty and big and scary and there's rats everywhere. But something I was confronted with in New York City that I'm not usually confronted with on the streets of Fishers are people asking me for money. And here's something Mammon doesn't want us to talk about, I would suggest. doesn't want me to think about. Maybe this is just for me. The same kind of filter or grid I use to determine whether I give poor people money doesn't exist when the question is, do I give rich people that money? What are they going to do with it? What if they misuse it? What if they take this money and buy the drugs? Well, I'll just own with you guys. I give Jeff Bezos money all the time. I never stop to ask what he's going to do with it. This is one artifact of 10,000 I could name about the way the common sense works. In a culture of mammon that is distinct from the kingdom of God. There's, a, there's an imaginary that we don't even question. It's, not a, it's actually, we, we think about it as spiritual or unspiritual. This isn't spiritual life, this is, you know, the world. It's real life. Well, that is our spiritual life. So here's what I want to propose for us, Friends so we can decrease our resistance to God's mercy, so we can reckon with any way that power and mammon have done us dirty. Is to take mammon seriously as a rival to the kingdom of God. Does that feel scandalous to say? That's true. I'm sorry if I'm the first person who told you that. <laughs> If this is your first sight of the table, you're like, what is going on here? No, mammon Mammon is the only contrary God Jesus names to his Father. Second, Jesus transgresses the common sense of Mammon in his day in rebellious, revolutionary ways. We see it over and over again. He gives honor to the poor and the meek. And this is the thing that directly leads to his crucifixion. We're told explicitly that in the Gospels. This isn't conjecture. This is the Gospel writers telling us. And they were grumbling about him eating and drinking with sinners. So notice how Jesus transgresses the logic of mammon. And then begin to craft an imagination for how we do that here. Three, Identify ways that mammon has dominion here today in our world. What kind of evil and exploitation do we justify? Because profits are at stake. It's another unspoken assumption that mammon doesn't want us to talk about. That the goal of, of an economy is profit rather than human flourishing. Or, the assumption is, if profits increase, human flourishing will too. That's maybe more accurate. See, even naming this stuff feels like, Hope the authorities aren't outside. And then, Ford, agitating to abolish the reign of mammon. Activistically working a counter-economy here and in our, our world, and all that's spiritual. That's not that's not something ancillary to the kingdom of God. Jesus can't stop talking about it as he announces the kingdom of God. There's other things to talk about here, friends. That you know, these Bartimaeus is asking for what he wants and he gets it. But many of us here have asked for things that we don't get, and we and Job talks about this and. There's more to say about this text than what I'm saying today. But what if we decided to be a community that learned to see uh, power and wealth and economics as part of our spiritual life? And our participation in these things, they form us and shape us. We, We make assumptions that maybe when we name, I don't really think... Profits are better than human flourishing. And I also don't think if Jeff Bezos makes... Yeah, the wealthiest people in America increased their net worth by $2.1 trillion during the pandemic. And we've got businesses closing because we haven't raised the minimum wage in 30 years. If we can't talk about that as a spiritual crisis... I'm not sure we, and, and, and to figure out what to do about it as Christians. I don't know how we begin to name the power and mammon that resist God's mercy in our midst. The good news today, friends, is that God's mercy reigns where it gets the least resistance. It like flows into the cracks of people who, have nothing to lose. There's liberating freedom. There's a a reckoning with and a repairing of human dignity and created goodness. And today, Jesus stands among us too. Today. Inviting us to come and follow Him on the way of the cross. Allow ourselves to be mercified Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Mercify. (laughs) What invitation into healing and freedom and liberation is Jesus calling us to this morning? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.